Hello and welcome back to the New Travel Podcast. This is episode number eight, America. And it's starting right now. So I got a haircut. As anyone who is watching on YouTube will be able to tell, uh, my hair is significantly shorter than last time you saw me. I was getting to that stage where I had to wear baseball caps because I was, uh, yeah, not able to control my hair anymore. And that's when it means it's time for a cut in my life. And it was actually my first haircut since quarantine life started. So it was my first time going to get my hair cut uh, since like early 2020. I had done a couple of like quarantine like trims, like Nari had given me a couple of haircuts. But uh, yeah, this is my first time actually sitting in the chair and... I was nervous about it at first. I was like, oh, what's it going to be like? Close contact with a hairdresser. and uh, But as soon as you get there and you sit down, everything's normal. And it's just, yeah, you realize that, uh, yeah, it's not as weird as you might think. But, um, yeah, speaking of things that are weird, weirder than you might think, uh, the U.S. election has taken place. And... Yeah, so at the point of filming, I guess Joe Biden has won, though Donald Trump seems to be living in a different reality where it's not over yet. So uh, for the first time in my lifetime, and probably in most people's lifetime, we have a U.S. president who is claiming that election fraud is taking place and sort of refusing to give in to the to the votes of the people, and yeah, going to be interesting to see how that plays out, <laughs> to, to, interesting to say the least, um, but you know, I don't want to get too political in this video, though it's hard not to when you have a video called America, but with all the attention, with all eyes around the world on America these past few days, and really these past few years, I would say, ever since Trump got elected, uh, America has been more noticeable than ever before. But these past few days, it's been blinding. Just the intensity of American politics has been blinding. And I think we're all like, we're all ready for a break. We're all ready for it to like simmer down a little bit and slow down. And maybe Joe Biden will give us a chance to slow down and just, (laughs) you know, pump the brakes a little bit. But I thought this would be a good chance to, you know, talk about my experiences with America, my experiences traveling to America. And before I get too deep into this, I want to talk about the word America. Because when I was young, I I just thought, you know, USA means America. As I got older, and specifically as I started to travel, you know, I had people tell me that actually, you know, we're all Americans. Dan, you're an American. You know, the the Mexicans were Americans. Brazilians were Americans. Costa Ricans were Americans. And yeah, it was only when I went to Latin America that people started to point this out to me. And I thought, oh, okay, uh, so I'm I'm an American. Okay, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I 
I mean, I knew I was a North American. If someone asks me what, what, you know, what continent I'm from, of course, the answer is North America. But I would never identify as an American. Because in Canada, we just, we just hear you're Canadian, they're American. And you, you just don't think about it much beyond that. But uh, I guess, I guess I'm an American. And technically, like anyone from the furthest south part of South America, through Central America, all the way up to the northern parts of Canada, we're all Americans in the technical sense. They'll try telling that to someone from the United States. You will get a very, uh, very different opinion on that. So for the context of this video, I'm talking about America being the United States of America. But this is the new travel podcast. And I guess at some point I should talk about travel. So today I want to share a story about uh, a trip I took to America to the United States of America in, oh, was it, wow, this was 2014, six years ago, wow, time flies. So in 2014, I had just spent eight months living in South Korea, and that's a story for another, another day, that, that could be a whole podcast at some point. But I was an English teacher, I was working in South Korea, I was my first time living in another country, and after that, I went backpacking. And I spent the next two months or so traveling through Southeast Asia. I went to Thailand, I went to Hong Kong, I went to Malaysia. Uh, is that it? Oh, is there one place I'm forgetting? I was mostly in Thailand, to be fair. I went to North Thailand, South Thailand. I went to the islands. And, uh, yeah, I was just backpacking all around. I rented a motorbike, and I was driving around between cities and meeting people. And just, it, it was one of the best experiences of my life. It was total freedom. And once you get in that state of mind where you're just traveling and meeting travelers, you... You just, you just forget about all of life's worries. Everything I was just talking about, the politics, you know, the, the, the political anxieties and who's going to win and what's going to happen to our country. You know, when you're traveling, you don't even think about stuff like that. I, I don't even really check the newspaper. I, I just... Oh, newspaper. Like, what, what am I, living in the 1980s? I, I don't even check the news on my phone, I should say. Very few people are actually reading newspapers, I guess. But I, I, I just don't. I don't I don't check the news. I don't really check my social media that much. I just you just live in the moment and that's a great way to live. Anyway. My last stop was Hong Kong and you know, I realized that I was tired. I, I'd been traveling a long time and I wanted to get home. I knew it was time to get back to Canada. So I started looking for flights from Hong Kong to Vancouver. And they were surprisingly expensive. It was going to cost me eight or nine hundred bucks to get home. And for a one-way flight, that is a lot. That's, that's more than it usually costs. 
But I knew that the West Coast, like all the way from Canada, all the way down the United States, I knew that that West Coast was pretty close. So I started looking for flights to Seattle, thinking that, okay, if I can get a cheap flight to Seattle, I can then catch a bus or something to Vancouver, and then I'm home, and that, that'll be easy. But I couldn't find any cheap flights to Seattle. It was a little bit cheaper, but it wasn't worth all the trouble. So then I looked further down. I looked at flights to Los Angeles. And then I saw something crazy. I saw a one-way ticket from Hong Kong to Los Angeles for like 400 bucks, Or just under 400 It was like 375 This was Canadian dollars. That's like three under $300 U.S. So it was a crazy deal. And without even thinking too much about it, I bought that ticket. And I decided that with the $500 I was saving, I could actually spend some time in Los Angeles. I'd never been to L.A., and I, I wanted to see what it was like. And that could be the last stop on my, you know, world adventure. Um, so that's what I did. I, I booked my ticket to Los Angeles, and I prepared for that last trip before making it home. Uh, the only problem was <laughs> I was used to traveling in Thailand where, you know, you can find a cheap hostel to stay in for, you know, three or four bucks a night. Okay, three or four bucks is a bit of an exaggeration. Maybe like five or six or seven dollars a night. The cheapest were about five. And that's what I was used to. I was used to paying like very affordable prices in one of the cheapest parts of the world. And now I was going to one of the most expensive cities in the world, and the cheapest hostel I could find was over 50 bucks U.S. a night, which sounded crazy. I didn't want to pay those prices, and I, I just, I, I don't know, I just, I just wasn't, it wasn't just the price, it was also, I wanted a different kind of experience, and I'd heard about this thing called couch surfing. For those who don't know, couch surfing is where you, um, you you book, you book you 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 arrange with someone else to basically sleep on their couch or air mattress or whatever place they have to offer. So it's like a social network of people who, around the world who are offering a free place to stay. No strings attached. You just show up and you got a place to stay. And I'd never done it before. The idea sounded a bit bit crazy to me but I had met other travelers while backpacking who did it quite a lot and universally they had good stories to share they had enjoyed it they'd made new friends and I just thought well that'd be a cool way to visit Los Angeles I'd get to save money I would meet someone I would uh, get to stay in a local part of the city instead of just be where the tourists are at and I don't know I, I just I wanted I wanted to do it so I started looking at couch surfing listings and Los Angeles is a big city so there were lots of offers and I found one with this guy named Marty. And Marty is a black guy from Los Angeles who lived in Long Beach, Long Beach, California, which is a part of this I guess the southern part of of LA. The thing about Los Angeles is it's such a big city that different parts are really far from each other. So 
I mean, I didn't really understand that until I got there, but Long Beach is is quite far from like Hollywood and Venice Beach and stuff like that. But but yeah, it was an adventure and I wanted to do it. So, you know, I sent a message just saying, hey, I'm Dan. I'm a Canadian. I've been, you know, in Asia for the past 10 months. I'm, I'm coming to Los Angeles for five days. And can I can I stay with you? Um he had over he had done a couch surfing he'd been a host over a hundred times before I saw positive reviews so so that helped me get the confidence of like who is this guy right there, there were he was an experienced host if he was a host who'd never hosted anyone before then that might be weird because I had never done this before they'd never done it before so I think if anyone wants to try it find a really experienced host with a lot of reviews and that that's that's a good way to start. So I, um, yeah, I, <laughs> oh, I just remembered something. Yeah. So, so Mar- Marty agreed and said, yeah, let's do it. Um, and he gave me a meeting spot where he was gonna, he was gonna drive and meet me at a, uh, subway stop, a subway station that's like kind of close to where he lived. So I didn't even have an address. I did, we just had a plan to meet, and I would I would give him a call when I get there. And uh, you know, I didn't even have a phone at the time. Like my phone was on a Korean SIM card, so it wasn't gonna work when I arrive and uh, <laughs> when I arrive in America. But yeah, I figured I could I could figure that out somehow. But the bigger problem was when I arrived in Los Angeles super jet lagged, super tired from my, you know, 10 plus hour flight. Uh, I arrived and, you know, I got my big backpack on my bag. I probably stink because I haven't showered in like two and a half days. But uh, I arrive and, and they ask me where I'm going to and I didn't have an address. So I think I just wrote down Marty's house, <laughs> which was a bad idea. It was a bad idea. Because now they're asking me at the customs, like, who is Marty? Who's this person you're going to meet? And I just kept saying, oh, he's a friend. He's a friend. And uh, they were they were like suspicious of like, why are you staying with a friend? Why aren't you at a hotel? Why aren't you with your family or something? And I was very jet lagged and I was trying not to say anything stupid that would get me kicked out of the country before i even arrived like oh i just met him online and now i'm gonna go stay with this stranger Uh, (laughs) i had a feeling that this customs agent who was being very strict was not gonna respond nicely to that to that kind of answer and might have sent me on the next flight back to hong kong which is not what i wanted at that moment so uh i had to figure out a way to call call marty um and finally, I think eventually I was able to, I think I actually had to ask a stranger at the airport to use their phone and give him a call. And at first he wasn't picking up. And finally Marty picked up and explained, yeah, Dan's my friend. And they're like, okay, go through. And they were like, next time get an address. I'm like, yeah, that's 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 a good idea. <laughs> but I made it through and uh, jumped on. The B train, the C train, whatever the train that goes from the airport to inner city Los Angeles is called. I jumped on that train and immediately realized, okay, 
I'm not in Southeast Asia anymore. I'm in America. Because, uh, yeah, what an experience. It, first of all, everything, I can't even explain how weird it is to when you've been in Asia for a long time and then you come back and just hearing everyone speaking English is very trippy. It's very, very uh, strange experience. So I was, I was in my mind, I was like, oh, this is so weird. Everyone's speaking English. Everyone's bigger. I'm not just making a joke about Americans being large. I'm just saying like people in Thailand and in Korea and Hong Kong tend to be smaller and people in America are taller, wider, just just bigger people. So that was crazy. And uh yeah, I'm just sitting there like in my mind kind of zoning out and being like, "Oh, this is so strange looking around." And yeah, and then there, <laughs> I was going through inner city Los Angeles on this train, which uh, I realized halfway through the train ride, I was actually going to the stop, Compton, which I- I'd never been to Compton, but I know it from like hip hop songs. And I-, I know that Compton is supposed to be kind of a sketchy neighborhood from what I hear. There's a lot of, a lot of gang affiliations and a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of problems in areas like Compton. And yeah, I was just sitting on this train and I had my big backpack on my back and, uh, you know, I had my laptop with me, my my passport. I had my whole life and I was like, is this a good idea to be traveling on this train? Is this sketchy or not? Because I was getting a weird vibe. Um, and two seats in front of me, there was this older Mexican gentleman who was wearing a cowboy hat. And, uh, you know, I remember there were some younger... Los Angelinos? What do you call people from Los Angeles? Los Angelinos? I don't know. Anyway, there were these you know, teenagers or whatever. Uh, I think there was a group of black teenagers who were all like talking and you know playing music on their phones and stuff. And one of them, one of them was very loud, like talking very loudly and just started kind of making fun of the Mexican guy seated in front of me because he had a big white cowboy hat on and this this kid was looking at him he's like hey man where's your horse <laughs> where's your horse where's your horse bro and yeah it was just I, I i don't know it wasn't it wasn't like an aggressive like it wasn't like there was going to be a fight or something but it was just weird it was kind of out of place i'm like why is he making fun of this stranger for his hat and i was just thinking like oh man he's going to make fun of me next like i just look like <laughs> I just look like this sleepy, I probably look like I'm high on drugs because my eyes are so sleepy because I haven't slept all night and I got my big backpack and uh, I don't know what's going on. He's going to make fun of me for sure. But uh, thankfully they never did. They just, I don't know, got, got off at another stop or something. But uh, I was uh, that, that was my first train ride in Los Angeles. Just like, what is going on? Uh and I made it through the Compton stop. I made it to the stop near where Marty lived in Long Beach. Somehow found him or he found me. I don't remember exactly what happened. Remember, I was super tired at that moment. But somehow found Marty, got in his SUV. He drove me home. And for the next few nights, I stayed at Marty's place in Long Beach. And uh, yeah, what a cool guy Marty is. I got to tell you, this guy, 
And this guy was born and raised in California. He'd never left America. I don't even think he'd left the south of America. I think he said he went to Texas once on a road trip. But that's it. Like, basically, 40 years old, he'd never left that part of the country. And, uh, yeah, he he traveled by inviting people into his home. And he showed me all these little gifts that people had brought him, like backpackers he'd hosted from Japan, from the Netherlands, from Germany, from South Africa, from all these different countries. And he met people and he hosted them right there in his living room. And then I was thinking, oh, man, I, I should have brought a gift from Canada. I, sh- I wish I had something or, or from, you know, South Korea or something. Again, it was my first time couch surfing. I, I didn't know how this stuff worked. But uh, if I did have a little, like, even just a 2 $3 gift from another country, that would have been a cool thing to have. So little little pro tip for anyone who wants to try couch surfing. Get some fridge magnet or something. It's always a good idea to have for moments like that. But um, yeah, that was that was my introduction to Marty. He was this guy who traveled through the people he met, and I thought that was so cool. And yeah, I've always wanted to actually pay back that. I've always wanted to pay that back. I've always thought when I have my own place that's big enough and has an extra bedroom or something, I could host travelers to my city, and. Just the idea of it, it's its beautiful, you know? Marty actually taught me... I mean, I was, I was only there for a few days. I don't want to overstate things, but he definitely gave me an insight into what it's like being a... You know, being a black man living in America. He was very... And I don't mean to keep bringing up his race for no reason, but Marty was very proud of his identity as a black man. Like, he... He sat me down and we watched... Uh, he showed me pictures of his daughters. He showed me a uh, pic- video of his church choir, an all-black church choir where they sing together. And he was showing me videos and like being like, "This is, this is what matters to me. This is my life." He, uh, he, we, we shared some of his bourbon. He had a, a bottle of bourbon that he was fond of, and we drank some of that together. And and you know, he even gave me a fresh pair of socks. He said that, yeah, another backpacker he'd met said, he he asked another backpacker he met, what's something that travelers could always use? And they told him a traveler could always use a fresh pair of socks. So Marty gave me a new pair of socks. And, and you know what's funny? I did need a new pair of socks because my backpack was disgusting by this point. Oh, my God. Did you guys hear that? I just dropped my mic recorder hope I didn't break anything anyway as I was saying I did need a new pair of socks <laughs> because my backpack was disgusting and uh, <laughs> you know I was pretty young back then okay I, I I'm not saying I was a slob but I will say that when you've been traveling for months at a time you your um, sanitation routine might take a bit of a hit you just start to realize no one around me is being super clean, so we're all kind of in this together. <laughs> it's like you've gone to war or something. You got, you got other things to think about. 
but yeah, I was very grateful for that pair of socks. I was very grateful for those moments with Marty just to get an insight into what life was like in Los Angeles. And, you know, there's more stories I could tell from L.A., but I want to jump ahead to another moment I had, a similar moment I had with with an American. And this guy's name is Alexis. And this is in 2018 when I when I went to Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico is in a bit of a gray area because it's an American territory. It is a part of the United States of America, but Puerto Ricans are very proud of their identity. And some will say to you, listen, I'm not American, I'm Puerto Rican. But take it from someone who visited. Um, You go through customs. It's a U.S. agent. It's a U.S. customs there's, uh, you know, <laughs> there you're getting a stamp from the United States of America when you enter Puerto Rico. It's it is America. It's just not one of the official states. It's a territory. Um, but Puerto Ricans are Americans, as I learned when I got there. A lot of Puerto Ricans actually serve in the U.S. military because it's a relatively good-paying job and it's an opportunity for people who might not know what they want to do in their life. But, uh, yeah, as some people might remember, in 2018, no, twenty, actually 2017, Puerto Rico got hit by Hurricane Maria, which was a devastating hurricane, which left about, oh, about two-thirds of the island with no power for months at a time. So, for several months... A significant part of the island of the people who live in Puerto Rico had no power. They were living off little generators and uh, struggling to get food, struggling to get water in some cases. It was, it was a humanitarian crisis. And it was happening in the United States of America, just a part of the United States that people sometimes forget about because it isn't an official state, and it's kind of far away. And, you know, maybe there's a racial element to it, too. Maybe it's the fact that people from Puerto Rico look different than a lot of other Americans. Maybe there's the language element, the fact that a lot of Puerto Ricans speak Spanish first. So maybe people don't think of them as being American citizens the way other people are. But they are. And I learned that when I went to Puerto Rico. So why did I go to Puerto Rico? What was that trip about? Well, I was living in Mexico City at the time. I had just moved to Mexico City. And, you know, I'd been watching the news about this hurricane. And I kept hearing that 90 days after Hurricane Maria had hit, people still didn't have power. And I didn't understand that. I I just couldn't figure out how can a part of the United States not have power after 90 days. I just couldn't piece those puzzle pieces together in my mind. It It didn't make sense. Like, I was thinking if a hurricane hit New York City, they'd have power back the next day. Or if they didn't, like if it wasn't possible to get the power back after a day or two, there would be... The effort put, put put like put in place to get power back to New York City would be 
like nothing you've seen before. The whole country would be sending everyone they had, like it would be on the news 24-7. It would be the greatest like collective effort you've ever seen to get power back to that city. But because it's a few million people living on an island close to Cuba, instead of in Manhattan, in the central business district of the biggest city in the United States, uh, people kind of forgot about them and just... Donald Trump went there and he threw some toilet paper to Puerto Ricans and he kind of made some jokes about it and that was it. After that, everyone kind of forgot about it. So I had this crazy idea. I'm just going to go there and I'm going to make some videos about what's happening. And I want to find out for myself what's happening in Puerto Rico. But I didn't know if this was a good idea or not. So I went to Reddit. I went to the website Reddit, and there's a Puerto Rico section, and I just wrote something up saying, hey, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Canadian living in Mexico City. I'm thinking about visiting Puerto Rico to make some some short films about what's happening. Uh, is this a good idea? Will I just be getting in the way? Like, I, I didn't know if if there's like, huma if it's a humanitarian crisis and people are there and people are really suffering and there's a bunch of newscasts everywhere. I, I don't want to just be some random YouTuber who's like, what would my purpose be? Am I just getting in everyone's way by being there? Is it a bad time to visit? Will I even be able to find a hotel that has power, you know? So I didn't know what was going on and I decided to... uh to ask people and what I found out was that actually there weren't that many newscasts there at all like they had all left a month ago and yeah a lot of people there were still suffering and wanted their stories to be known so people were happy they were like yeah you should come this is a good thing and one guy named Alexis messaged me and said hey um I live in Boston. I'm Puerto Rican. My family's in Puerto Rico. I'm going back soon. If you want to visit, I can drive you around the island and show you what is really happening. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And so for about five days... No, it, my whole trip was about seven days. And for four or five days, I was with Alexis driving around the island and sleeping at his grandparents' house, which had no power and had had no power for a couple months. And I experienced what life was like in Puerto Rico during the hurricane off the grid, off the power grid. And, you know, they had a little power generator that was giving power to the refrigerator and um, a little plug so you could plug your cell phone in. But other than that, when the when the sun goes down, the house is pitch black, and it's um it really opened my eyes to what was going on there in Puerto Rico. And there's a video series I did and about this experience. You you can check it out if you search the new travel Puerto Rico, or I can I'll put links down below for people who want to see this series because. I think it's some of the most important videos I've ever made. I made videos first in San Juan, which is the capital city of Puerto Rico, where 
San Juan was mostly like most of that city had power back because that's like where the tourists go and where the governor lives and the rich people live. But outside of that city, no one else had power. Like most people didn't have power. And and it's not like they were rushing to get power back. It was just kind of like, well, you guys got to deal with this. Who knows when power will be back? It was very, you know, I, I, I tried my best to tell that story through the videos. But to be honest, I was not as experienced two, three years ago at making videos. So I think... I came away feeling like the story that had to be told was bigger than my ability to tell it. So I did my best to make videos, but I, I some of them got, you know, 40, 50,000 views, but I, I wanted them to get 40, 50 million views. Like I wanted everyone in the world to know what was actually happening in Puerto Rico because it was very tragic. I'm talking about like hospitals where people are dying because they don't have a proper power source. I'm talking about like I'm I'm I'm, ta I'm talking about like police stations where after 3 months they don't even have power and so people whose house got robbed because when no one has light in their homes it becomes very easy for people to steal things and if someone's house gets robbed they they try to go to the police station and file a police report and they get told that you can't file a police report because our system is down cuz we have no power and then the person's credit card company, which would have given them insurance for the things that were stolen, they can't process that because they don't have a police report number. You understand? Like, they, they can't even get their, their money back because the police report system is down. That's how messed up things were in Puerto Rico a full three months after the hurricane. And I was learning all this stuff, and I was like, this is crazy. What's going on here? <sighs> And I tried my best to tell that story, but it was, it was hard. And I wish, I just wish people cared more about things like that, you know, but Alexis cared and he drove me around and he, he showed me everything. And he, that's just, that for me is, that for me is the spirit of America. Like people like Alexis, people like Marty. People who, test one, two. Oh man, my battery just died. <laughs> my camera battery just died, but I'm back. Okay, what was I saying? Oh yeah, the spirit of America. People like Alexis, people like Marty, that for me is the spirit of America. These are people who, people who want to make things better. People who you don't hear about on TV. People who come from different backgrounds and live different experiences and are just doing their best to survive and to help other people while in whatever ways they can. Whether it's helping a backpacker with a pair of clean socks or helping an island of people who have been forgotten that's the story of America, as I know it. And everything else in the media about, uh, you know, the violence and oh, all these shootings and all this crazy political talk, 
I feel like that's not actually what is happening in America. I feel like that is something completely different that uh, the media likes to focus on. Why do they like to focus on it? I don't know. To make us afraid? To make us, to make us hate each other more? Why is it? Why, why is it we have so many stories about a white cop who shoots a black man and that is what we're always focused on, but we're not focused on the simple human interactions between people? Why is it we only hear the stories that want to drive us further apart? Instead of bringing us closer together. I don't know. Am I crazy? Am I crazy, Mr. Cactus? Am I crazy to be thinking this way? To be talking this way? Sometimes I feel crazy. Sometimes I feel crazy because what I see on television and what I read in the news is not the experience I have when I travel places. And uh, it's not the experience I had when I travel in America. I met a lot of friendly people, a lot of curious people who want to know about my story and what it's like being a Canadian, too. That's the other thing about America. A lot of Americans don't travel. They really don't. Something like half the country doesn't have a passport, which is crazy to me. Just crazy. I got another American buddy who travels and he has a Canadian flag on his backpack and tells people he's Canadian. <laughs> That's okay, Americans. You can do that if you want to. Just be nice, okay? Be nice. You got to be nice if you're going to pretend to be Canadian. <laughs> but maybe I'm pretending to be Canadian. Maybe it's all a big, big lie. You found me out. <laughs> no. I think my accent gives me away. I don't know. But I do like America. Or I should say I do like Americans. I think America, the country, has problems that need to be fixed. But I think Americans, the people, at least the people I get to know, are pretty cool. And that's one thing to remember, whether you're traveling to the good old USA or you're traveling to, you know, Hong Kong or Korea or China or Canada or any place you can think of. The government is not the people. Whatever crazy debates you're seeing between politicians, it might th make you think that that country is crazy. But the government, the leaders are not the people. They're supposed to be the people. They're supposed to represent the people. But the things they talk about are not necessarily the way that most people think. And I don't know how else to explain it other than that. It's just... I think... People have this idea that the average American is this gun-loving... Uh, war-loving, um, I don't know, potentially like racist and hateful person who just wants to, I don't know. I don't know what people think, but that's not my experience traveling through America. And I'm sure there are some people out there like that, for sure. But there's a lot of good in that country, too. 
And, you know, the idea behind America, the idea that it's a land where people from all different countries can come together, not all different countries, but all different backgrounds, all different races, all different beliefs can come together and live in harmony and be united by the freedom that the country provides. That's an idea not so different than Canada. We also believe in being a place where different people come together and live together, and I think that's that's a beautiful thing. I think that's the way forward. I think that's how every country is going to become in the 21st century. We, we need to. We need to work together and live together. Or we're just going to have more wars and more hate. And like, think of the problems we have to solve with climate change and uh, just everything. With everything, all these problems that are global, like we're all in it together. Even the virus, like how are we going to solve this virus if we can't all collectively share a vaccine or share information or share like solutions? We got to live together. We need to work together. We need to move forward together and anyone who works against that whether it's donald trump or whether it's just uh someone who wants to send all the immigrants home or whoever it is you're not part of the solution you're part of the problem and that's about all i got to say about that i tried to keep politics out of it but it always finds a way to come back doesn't it always finds a way to come back anyway guys this has been my america episode hope you've enjoyed it i'd like to know what america means to you i'd like to know what your experience has been like living in america or traveling through america and what do you think of the stories i shared today speaking of america i hope you enjoyed my last episode with the kinetic cannons that was a fun one i'm uh i got more guests lined up so if you're tired of hearing me ramble on my own, uh, don't worry. There's more guest episodes coming soon, too. Or if you enjoy this kind of episode, let me know. Always good to hear from you guys. As always, I'm Dan from the New Travel Podcast, and I will see you on the road. <laughs>